Hey guys, welcome to the Who Dares Wins podcast. Um, my name is JP Ross, I'm your host. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, this is the first episode of the new year. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's 2021. Um, what does that mean? Uh, whew. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. We have a new president. We have a new... Um, seems like he's uh, going through and, um, you know, changing everything. It's like signing all kinds of executive orders. And um, when I... Uh, I think the last episode I did for the year was uh, an episode with my friend Bodie Colwait. Um, it's a really great episode talking about... Uh, the younger generation and um, uh, mental health and 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 uh, Jesus and God and uh, all these all these different factors um, that that my friend Bodie is experiencing as a young man and uh, he just turned eighteen so he I guess you could say he was a teenager he's still very young eighteen years old. But I was really impressed with just like how smart and uh, intelligent he is, just what he brings to the table. Well, as you know, in, in re- previous episodes uh, with my episode with Ronnie and even with my episode with uh, talking about my political journey, um, I, I've been on a journey. Uh, 2020 uh, brought us COVID. It brought us quarantining. It brought us um, new new ideas about God, about how we steward our time, how we steward being in people's lives, and um, whether we can meet together, whether we can go to church, whether we can um, visit people, travel. Uh, yeah, it was a very uh, challenging year. I think also 2020 was a year that God showed me that he will provide. Um, God will provide no matter what. Um, I, I saw God provide in so many ways that I was able to even steward and sow into people who were starting businesses for the first time or needing seed capital. Um, even if it was not that much, like thousands of dollars, more like hundreds, um, there was able, I was able to do that. And I also was extremely grateful because I um, was able to come to understandings of certain things with myself. And that is that, uh, that wow, like I can be, kind of locked in for like three months before I start going stir crazy. And, um, but around about three months, around three months in, like around summertime, I just really needed to go out. And so I would go out for about an hour a day, go for a walk or just sit in the front of my building and breathe. Um, I tried to go every day. I would go to the supermarket and buy groceries. So that was kind of like what I'm going to do, what, what's going to be um, exciting for that day. 
and uh, you know, exciting. And you know, it's like, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm gonna go outside to the grocery store. Um, <clears throat> and I believe in May, um, a little bit before that was Ahmad Arbery, who was murdered in Georgia, and then in May, um, I think it was Memorial Day or one of those holidays, George Floyd was murdered, and it just, it just like a whole thing just sort of happened in our country, in America. If you're listening, um, in another country, um, I live in the United States. I live in actually New Jersey, the state of New Jersey, and um, yeah, I'm close to New York City, and I grew up in New York, and uh, yeah. So if you're listening from another country, um, welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of the Who Dares Wins podcast. So as I was saying, May really, for me, it, it challenged a lot. There's, I did, I did some IG lives and I did a couple IG videos because I'm still getting used to that. I don't really like doing things where like you can see me, um, but I'm stepping into that more and more. But um, but basically, one of the things that happened is, you know, there was civil, like there was like unrest, and uh, yeah. So um, it was basically, um, you know, George Floyd was murdered. Uh, everyone knows, and uh, Derek Chauvin, you know, killed him. He murdered him. He's a police officer in Minneapolis. Um. And so what that did is it, it sort of, the church started speaking out, all kinds of things started happening. And I was so happy for it. I was so happy for it. And uh, I was, I was literally thinking to myself, finally, the church is going to wake up to religious or racial issues, the white church specifically. Um, so up until that time, I had not left my small little neighborhood, and I had not ventured into the city. Um, I live near New York City, and um, I didn't do anything. But when George Floyd was murdered, I literally thought to myself, if people are willing to risk COVID and these things, to raise awareness to the change that needs to happen in this country when it comes to race relations and injustice, police brutality, um, then I, I too, I too should go out there. This is a, I believe in this. I believe I fight for this. So I, I um, prayed about it. I, you know, there was a group of people from my church that, that felt impassioned as well. Um, so we went out and we went and um, we we protested along with other Christians. And um, it's just so funny for, for me, I, I used to protest a lot and um, over different things. And, um, and I just ended up kind of like not being with the Christian march. Um, I ended up being with the, the actual like Black Lives Matter march. And, uh, it was an interesting shift. So in the past, I was, you know, 
anti-everything, uh, you know, anti-government, anti-capitalism, obviously anti-racist, all these different things. And uh, I didn't really think about what my theology is in regards to this situation. I just basically was like, well, you know, Jesus would be out here. This is what Jesus would do. So I had a more like liberal theology. And um, since 2016, definitely have been uh, growing more and more in understanding sort of moral conservatism or moral conservative values, uh, even economic conservative values and philosophy, economic philosophies of conservatives and different kinds of things like that. And I know maybe if you're listening, you're probably thinking to yourself, how is it that Christianity and then thinking about politics, why does it always have to go to that? Well, the reason why is because as Christians, or for me as a Christian, I believe that our our private faith, our private belief actually has public impact. And so as a person, as a steward of my city, as a steward of the state and the country, I feel that it is important to be a part of civic and um, public involvement, you know, um, you know, praying, voting, uh, being involved in what I believe God wants to do in my city and for people, especially people who um, historically are marginalized and, and experience uh, oppression. Um, so, and, and so that's kind of why I think about these ideas because much, much of the pushback when it comes to religion and Christianity has to do with politics, has to do with um, the rights we have to govern our own lives, our own selves, uh, sexuality issues, uh, family issues, economic issues, um, policies, foreign policy. When you're a Christian, your worldview now becomes Christian. So I find it very important to pray into and think about what does God think? Or what does God say about issues happening in society? Um, if you listen to previous episodes, you'll hear the journey. You'll hear my progression. Um, I don't know if you would call it progression depending on where you're at, but for me, uh, this podcast has always been about just taking, <laughs> having courage and, and, and just kind of like inviting people into my journey and hopefully um, partnering with other people's journeys and hopefully you'll be encouraged. Maybe you'll believe in Jesus too. Um, but hopefully you'll have a different perspective and that perspective will lead to change in your life or with your relationships or your friends. And it will impact your community because um, I believe we are called to impact community and impact our cities. <clears throat> So getting back to May, uh, 
And it's interesting because like I didn't even initially feel that I was going to talk about this today, but um, yeah, my I had more of a different idea of what I wanted to do, but um, I'm just trying to step out there. You know, it's been a while. It's almost February, and I haven't had a new new episode or podcast. So, um, so in May, we go out there. I'm literally like, hey, if these people. If, if people of color um, are out here, then, you know, I need to be out here too. If I'm saying that this is where the church should be, then I should be out there. Uh, if I have people in my life that look to me as a faith leader, uh, it's important that I go out there. So I did my part. I did my research. And I, um, one second. apologize if there was uh, any interference like using these headphones but um and uh yeah and this is like you know <laughs> is like straight out of my apartment straight out of my home um coming into you live and direct <laughs> but um anyway so I, I went and um i wanted to go with a different approach in the past i'd always been I'd, I'd always appro- I, I'd always approached protesting um, like from an aggressive point of view from a uh, we gotta you know like the city on fire and all this stuff I was uh, very much very much reactionary um, but it was the love of Christ I felt since 2016 I had been, kind of silent when it came to in public but in private i had been talking about it but in public i had been silent about injustice about racial issues about changes that need to happen in church that need to happen in cities across the country economic systems and values um I, I just felt God was saying, like, no, I, I want you to be quiet, and I want you to just receive from me um, and, like, spend time learning how to love others and love yourself before taking a stance, before demonizing anybody. Um, take that stance. I also felt, too, I was like, God, like, you know, you've called me to ministry, and so my job is not really to choose a side but to be in the middle and, and, and like a chaplain serving those who, um, need service, you know? And so, uh, so in May I went out there and, uh, I, I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. Um, at night it would get wild in New York city, but during the day or in the evening when we would start the march, um, to me, it was just so beautiful. I, I've been doing this for years, and I just I never really saw the diversity that I saw this time. And I really believe it's because COVID. It was because people wanted to be out of the house. It was because, you know, um, we had uh, emergency money or like um, unemployment uh, stimuluses. And so that gave people extra money to buy hand sanitizer, to buy food, to buy water. So like everyone was sort of like supporting each other. If someone coughed, you know, people were like, are you okay? Do you need to go home? And um, I thought it was actually very safe. 
uh, personally. I didn't. I wasn't there late into the night. I I usually would be heading home by like 10 p.m., maybe midnight. But I I I wasn't in. I wasn't there for some of the the. I guess you could say the violence that happened against like property, property damage and stuff. And, you know, um, for my radical left friends, they, we understand the, they understand like property damage and stuff like that. And there's a politics to property damage and how it's used as a symbolic gesture of, of, um, speaking out, you know, um, anyway, you just see it as vandalism, but it's just this idea. It's a, it's a critique. It's a critique. And so, um, so yeah, there was property damage, police cars on fire. Uh, oh man, all these businesses, broken windows, destroyed. And just a few years ago, that would have like made me so happy. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It would have made me feel like we were rising up, that we were revolting, that we're going to take the power back that we're speaking out that we're shutting down capitalism and all i could feel was deep pain deep sadness deep pain black businesses burnt to the ground even large corporation buildings burnt stolen I just couldn't help but feel like this is not how you go about making change. But at the same time, I couldn't demonize people for being frustrated and responding in ways that desperate people respond in. I could demonize, though, those people who came to ruin what people planned to do to express their voice. And there was all kinds of stuff like that happening and um you know and 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 people have talked about this already but for me and my perspective is just you know as someone that believed in these sort of ideas and stuff like that it just was really heartbreaking and my heart cried out to the lord for god to to move in our city for god to Just move on our city, Jesus. Help us. Help us, God. How do we dialogue? How do Christians engage in this in a civil manner? And I was so happy that at first there was all this voices coming out and different people on platforms. Uh, Carl Lentz was out there leading um, in his way and other pastors leading in their way. There were pastors that had been doing this for years that were finally getting the recognition they deserve for trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the city for the voiceless. And even saying, but even saying voiceless makes me feel uh, contemplative, like to, or, or like in thought, because I don't think. I don't agree in the same way that I used to agree with like voicelessness and people without rights and people that like injustice and people being oppressed. 
Um, I think that that does happen, but I don't think it happens at the scale that I thought it was happening before. And so I guess if there's anything like the reason why I'm, I'm kind of just sort of sharing my heart about May is because while I was out there, I found that people would ask me, why aren't you shouting certain things? And I said, well, I'm here. I'm a Christian. And I believe that change is important. Like change needs to happen. Like he was murdered. Like you cannot deny this this time. You finally cannot deny that there is um, a need for change in police brutality. There is a need for change in things. Did I think that we should defund and end the police? Actually, no, I didn't. I think that there needed to be change. I think that our police officers do, actually, they do great work. And I think that um, there's a role of government. There is a role that people play. But because I was younger, I didn't appreciate it because um, I think similar to some people in the in the younger generation and the people around my age, 30s and 40s, some of us are still struggling to own property, to own cars, to to finally have our stake in the history of our of our country, of our city, or saying something for our family. And when you don't have anything, you feel like you don't have anything to lose. There are people that do truly have nothing. And you can read about that in Savage Inequalities by Jonathan Kozel. You can That's a, 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 a dated book, but it's the truth about St. Louis and different places. There are people in New York City, in Brownsville, in parts of Harlem, in the Bronx, uh, in places here in Jersey, in Patterson, parts of Jersey City, you know, uh, Newark. They have there's history to these I to this resistance. There's history to this pain. And uh but at the same time, there is people, including myself, that at times made more out of pain and oppression than there actually is. And so part of why I'm talking about this is because I believe if you're a Christian, you have to bring this before the Lord and you have to think about the Bible. At this stage of my life, I have a more conservative value on the Bible and what the Bible says. And I'm wrestling with social concerns and social situations but I have to be true to the narrative and the gospel that I've received. And I have to be true that for some folks, a lot of folks, times are desperate. And for me, even without really much of a savings or I don't own a home, I don't have a car, I'm, I'm 42 years old, I still believe that I have hope, I have opportunities, I have possibility, I am white, but I, I believe that there's there's even more to it than that. That it's not someone it's not completely about race. That it's it's actually just about being honest. 
about what we have and we don't have. And there's some people, a lot of people, that have nothing. And so their response to things is out of a place of, I have nothing left. I have nothing to give except my body, except, you know, throw this brick through a window. And so it's a cry of desperation. It's a cry of, will you see us? Will you see where we've been? This pain that we are experiencing. And as I share that, I'm 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 bringing you into sort of where I'm more so where I'm at now. But I got to be honest and and validate pain, people's pain, trauma, systemic injustices. I'm not partnering with philosophies. I'm partnering with historic experiences of people. And there are white folks who have experienced great hardships in this country. And in I would say even in um, uh, maybe their ignorance to understanding like race analysis, race theory, these kinds of things, they... Uh, uh, have experienced poverty and experienced certain things. And so for them, this is so, how can, how can I be at fault? Right. And so that that's like another conversation, but there's, it's like, it's not just like one group. It's a lot of people. We're talking about immigration. We're talking about people that are citizens and people that have lived here their whole lives. <laughs> that like see everything changing and it makes them feel afraid. It makes them feel reaction, reactive. Like, what can I do? And so they hold to certain belief systems and a, a staunch belief in, in, in nationalism or these kinds of things. I, since my grandfather passed away, I have grown way more and loving my country and loving this, uh, appreciating the flag, appreciating uh, veterans and, and people who serve in our military, uh, police officers, government officials, because I'm a Christian. And also because my grandfather served and my stepdad served and my, my other grandfather served and my cousin or nephew he's adopted by my grandparents so he's kind of like my uncle too um but <laughs> he he's in the navy and it's just like we we i just want to be honest about the complexities you have to be honest about the complexities one of my friends ivan that goes to church with me he talks about nuances there's a lot of nuance and um, sometimes when we respond in pain, we don't take time for nuance. We don't take time to understand, um, you know, what that means. And 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 so I'm just like kind of saying how I I honor. I I feel like I have to honor people's responses in May. Okay, and so. Um, 
So I just want to explain to you that a nuance means uh, it's like a subtle difference in or shade of meaning, expression, or sound. You know, so there's like nuances of facial expressions and body language, or to use it in a verb, uh, give nuances too. The effect of the music is nuanced by the social situation of listeners. So like things things change and they can have different meaning or part of the meaning based on, um, you know, the environment or like who's listening. Uh, so, so that's nuance. So there's nuance within these ideas and these expressions. And um, so I just, you know, wanted to say that because there's real pain and there's real desperation out there. And there's people who do not black, white, Indian, uh, Asian. Um, well, Indian is Asian, but um, apologize. Uh, wasn't that great <laughs> with with that in school? I'm still not. But um, I'm gonna take a pause, and I'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Who Dares Wins. Hey, welcome back to Who Dares Wins. I'm your host, JP Ross. Thanks so much for listening. If you're just uh, um, jumping in, um, this is sort of like streamlined, so there's like breaks and everything. But um, anyway, so what we were talking about before was we were talking about May, or if you're just like skipping along and fast-forwarding through. Um, I was talking about May 2020, about George Floyd being murdered, and I know that it's it seems like so long ago, but I, I just felt like it was really important to talk about. Uh, I've just been kind of talking about my progression with my politics and my progression in my journey with activism and these kinds of things and where I'm at as a Christian. And um, I just think it's really important. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I, I there's just different ways to look at things. And so I brought up before the break, I brought up about nuance and how it's like a shade of a meaning or expression to an idea or, a, or like a thought. So um, we were talking about um, there's different nuances to what happened and, and the idea of justice and the idea of, of Christian involvement and these kinds of things. And, um, so one of the things I was talking about was that, you know, the pain that was experienced in in May and what is still experienced now um, results in people resorting to desperate measures. And when there is great injustice, people just are like, oh, they're going to riot. And then they make it into a specific people group. Who's going to riot? And, um, and I used to agree with that, but I was sharing earlier that, um, you know, since my grandfather passed away, I've become a lot more patriotic, a lot more, uh, believing in America, believing in the flag, believing in our military and police officers. Um, not just because of my grandfather's service and because I, I love him and I, I value these men and women. But because I um, 
I believe because I'm a Christian, because Jesus loved everyone. Jesus loved everyone. So Jesus was concerned with the people that were being oppressed uh, by Rome, right? I mean, essentially, everyone was being oppressed by Rome, even Romans. Um, but he also was concerned with the tax collector, with Matthew. Um, recently, I started watching this this app. It's called the Chosen app, and I was I was so moved. It's so good. You got to check it out. But the way Jesus responds to Matthew, Matthew is in the Gospels. You can read about Matthew in the Gospels. It's usually the first book in the New Testament. Um, uh, um, but historically, though, like when it comes to criticism and these things, Mark actually was the first um, book uh, of the Gospels to be printed. It's called the Q Tradition. And out of the Q tradition, we garnered uh, validity to the other Gospels. But when you read a sort of you know traditional or like everyday Bible, uh, Matthew will be the first book in the New Testament, and it talks about Jesus as the Messiah who was um, prophesied about. Um, and it goes through the genealogy, and it, it, it just kind of brings us into this place of, of, of who Jesus is, why he matters, and why Matthew is talking about him. And it's because he's the Messiah. He was the one prophesied about. And he's here. Messiah is here. And um, so definitely check out Matthew but uh, in the Bible. Um, but in the Chosen app, Matthew, he kind of represents like an OCD type person. He's very uh, concerned with cleanliness. And he's um, re repetitive. Um, and in he's very good with money, and perhaps that's why he is seen as a person with OCD, because he's so meticulous and so correct. So because he's a tax collector, he has a different lifestyle. He's wealthy. He's rich. He owns a home. He has fancy sandals and all this stuff. He has excess uh, to the point where in one of the episodes he they they basically are saying uh, he he throws them away and and the person is this other Jewish person is like what uh, what are you doing I could feed my family for a month with those with the the value of those sandals and he says it's my property I can do with it what I want why am I bringing up Matthew the reason why I'm bringing up Matthew is because. Matthew was a tax collector. He represented the wealthy. Jesus loved Matthew the same as he loved Peter, a fisherman. The same way he loved Andrew and James and the others and Mary Magdalene. He loved Matthew and he loved in the chosen app and in, in the New Testament too. He loved Nicodemus. And other Pharisees and Sadducees. It was he left it up to them whether they would believe in him or not, but he provided a way. He even loved Rome, leaders of Rome. He did not discount or say anything about people revolting or responding. 
because Jesus was born in a timeline where the Maccabean revolt or what we understand as Hanukkah would be, you know, in the mind, in the thoughts of the people of that time. He did not come to overthrow Rome. He came to save it. He came to save it through Jesus, the Father God. Came to save it through Jesus. And, 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 and so when I think about last May and sort of my progression with this since is, is that Jesus honors and is present with people in their pain um, when they don't know how they're going to eat, when they don't know where they're going to sleep. Jesus is present. But at the same time, Jesus also inspired people to create jobs and to create opportunities, um, initiatives, and different things. And uh, for all practical purposes, we created the civilization. And out of the civilization into this current time, uh, we developed a system called capitalism. And capitalism... Uh, it, it encourages people who have initiative to innovate new products, new material goods, and um, make a profit from providing and solving problems, solving problems in the market, solving problems in the community, providing, for instance, in the movie Joy, played by uh, Jennifer Lawrence, she solved a problem of a, a mop that will wring itself out, that will sort of drain itself of water to make it easier for housewives to be able to clean. Obviously, there weren't just housewives. There were house husbands um, who cleaned and the wives went out to work. But it's just this idea that she innovated a product that solved a problem and because of that, she was able to make a profit. I believe sometimes there's a narrative, and I even, I'm guilty of this, where I have only seen things through the lens of injustice and not through the lens of opportunity. As I've grown more with Jesus since 2016, I've seen that there is opportunity out there. And I don't think it's just because I'm white. I think that there's actually opportunity for anyone um, if they step into that. So while I was marching, I was thinking about how to solve this problem. Obviously, I don't know how to end police violence. I used to just say, you know, get rid of the police. Um, that's that's ignorant. That's not that's not going to happen. And obvious, and honestly, like where I'm at now in my life, it's like no, like the police. You can't get rid of the police. That's insane. You can't get rid of the police. We can, we can change how we do things. You know, John Locke talks about private property. In a lot of ways, yes, it is. It is true that property were people, people of color were property, black folks, um, and so that's police were to watch them and yeah obviously that's inhumane and that's wrong but nowadays it's it's to you know 
protect your property, you know, and black folks, uh, uh, um, 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 you know, prosper from this as well. Not just police brutality and how that hinders and hurts people and 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 injustices, but on the other side of how there's all these officers and military and everything that protect our country and then officers who protect our cities, make it safe to walk outside, to um, have a phone. If you think about it, in the 90s, you if you were to pull out a phone on the subway, yo, that's the last time you're going to see that phone. If you were to pull out a laptop in the 90s, late 90s, even early 2000s, if you were to pull out a laptop, that's the last time you're going to see that laptop in New York City. So maybe not all the time, but it was definitely more possible than I wouldn't really think that would happen now because of security, because of surveillance, because of more police, because of uh, just overall there's more access to material goods um, than we used to have. They've made it so that it's like you can afford certain things through payment plans and things, which puts us in debt. You know, when we buy things that we actually can't afford, but we use payment plans to have them so we can enjoy them. But if you're like me, you don't always count the cost. And so that puts you in debt. And now you're paying off a debt to um, something that is costing a bunch of money at length. And you don't really need it. And it's outdated within a few years. So... Anyway, there is opportunity out there. There is jobs. There is, uh, there's things we can do. There's black folks that are doing great things. There's all kinds of people that are innovating and building and doing something great. There's people that are not even uh, citizens of the country, and they're finding ways to do great things. <sighs> Why am I talking about this? It's, it's a good good question. The the reason why is because in May I I felt like I was so happy that finally liberal theology was being embraced by the dominant church. Critical race theory different kinds of race analysis was finally being embraced. And I was like, wow, I'm finally not crazy. I'll be able to use what I learned in college in church. Um, because honestly, churches that believe in those ideas, I, I just, I, I don't, they don't, they don't really do it for me. And uh, so I'm, I found myself in more evangelical churches that believe in the Holy spirit that, believe in the simple gospel sort of seems like simplistic and simple values, but these simple values, the simple gospel, it still changes lives and it's changing my life. And, and I'm so wrestling with that. So I'm like, Oh, finally, cool. Now, like people will read the new Jim Crow and all these things. And I was, I was uh, so excited. I was I was like, sharing, and I was 
educating people on these ideas and all this stuff. And then even to the point sometimes where I even almost ruined my relationships, almost ruined my friendships with people who didn't get it or understand. And I was like, oh, it's because you, you're partnering with like white supremacy or you're partnering with, with um, like whiteness and, and this idea of passing of, of, of ways of whiteness or like ways of doing everyday life in, 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 in culture that were sort of created by white people. And so like you start to do that, or like these ideas or this way of life and it looks a certain way. And um, I don't know if it's critical race theory or something else, but you know, uh, I would, you know, I, you would say like, oh, you're acting white or you're doing these kinds of things. And why would you do that? Like they, these people oppressed you or they hurt you or, and I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. And so I started to really think about how I always was joking with people about how be careful what you do because the white man's coming and the white man will take everything you have. <laughs> it's crazy to say that because I'm white, but like that's just how real it is for me and how much I internalize it. And I'm just like, yeah, if you're not checking your whiteness, you have the propensity to do evil unknowingly. Like you can hurt people and you meant to do good. Fast forward, I started going to DC and I started going to the Capitol. I started going to the, the, the National Mall and just going to DC and praying and believing God to change our nation to bring us together. And I had to take pause because I was like, wait a minute, what if what I'm believing about race isn't entirely true? Am I believing the Bible or am I believing my own interpretation? Am I believing my own pursuit of moral good or higher elevated states of consciousness? And I had to repent and I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't understand. I want to understand. I want to take a stand. But I don't think everything that's being told is true. So I went to D.C. and I met all these people. And I met people here in the city. And I met people out in the streets. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and they were like, no, like this agenda doesn't speak for me. I'm not oppressed. I'm not, I, I, I do have agency in my life. I do, I can change things. Um, I don't think all white people are the devil. And I was like shocked. I was so shocked. And so since that time, and then at the end of the summer into the fall, I was, um, going to worship services I was engaging with people, and uh, I just started to feel like if people, if we can go and protest, then we can worship. We can wear masks. We can gather in parks. We can do these things. Why can't we? 
maybe we can't meet in a church setting, but eventually churches started meeting. And I started to think perhaps there is a persecution against the church, not like George Floyd, not like that against black folks, but there is a certain kind of animosity. I know when I was thinking more liberal and more on the left, maybe not liberal, but radical, I thought Christianity was evil. Jesus was the only one that was good. I thought Jesus was only good, but Jesus is a person of color and he fights for the poor. And But I I was I was not being true to myself. I I believe in that evangelical worship music. I believe in these ideas. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that um that God still can use um anybody. That uh there's some there's significance to um conservative moral values there's there's significance to church and church doesn't have to look like a certain thing but it needs to value and honor the bible now i understand that like you could be like on another side of things and and see it a different way but we have to value and honor the bible and so since may I've just been continually seeking Jesus. And actually in January, um, in January, I actually fasted from reading books and podcasts and just reading my Bible, just listening to the Bible app on audio or watching the chosen video. I encourage you. I encourage you. Whatever you do, whatever you stand on, whatever you're believing, maybe you don't agree with my views. Maybe you don't agree with what I think about God or what I should do in the city. And that's okay. I I think that that's why this podcast exists. It's to encourage courage, faith. I would hope that you would give Jesus a chance, that you would pray. But perhaps you believe in Jesus and you have different views than I do. I just pray that you would trust Jesus and that you would really sit with him on some of the things that are happening in our world. Not just from your feelings, not just from experience, but just like maybe take pause and just reason with the word, with the Bible. Just you and Holy Spirit. So as I can I conclude this episode, I'm just going to say, and I didn't really know what I would talk about today, but I guess God wanted me to talk about that. Wanted me to talk about May. And I'm going to talk about it more and more. Um, but I was like, I don't know. I need to do a podcast. I need to do an episode. I don't, I'm getting God. God's giving me downloads constantly. And if you don't know what that means, it's just like God gives you thoughts and ideas and visions and dreams. And that's how God speaks to his people through the Holy Spirit. And you have that too. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, 
God is giving you those visions. God is giving you those ideas. Um, and when you steward them, you see his faithfulness. You see God's hand on your life, whether you acknowledge him or not. But when you do acknowledge him, I believe you will be richly, richly rewarded. Not in getting rich, but in in like a, a joy in your heart. Uh, uh, wow. Just a quality of life that is rich, knowing that the creator of the universe speaks to you personally in your dreams, in your visions, in your writing. He loves you and he has a great plan for you. And um, so I just want to pray for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And uh, I'll be doing more, obviously. But thank you for listening. And if you'd like to email me, you can at whodareswins um, at gmail.com or whodareswinspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at jpislavished, on Instagram at jpislavished. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for everyone who's listened today. I pray, Lord, that um, the same way you've impressed upon me to search the scriptures and to think about your heart, I pray that every listener would think about you and think about your heart and your plan for their lives, your plan for our city, our country, our town, the world, and that we would reason together, that we would go to the word of God and that we would ask you, what are you saying? Before we go to social media, before we go to the news, what are you saying? And then bring that to someone we trust. And I think, yeah, start discipling each other. Start teaching each other the scriptures. What does Jesus say? What would Jesus do in this situation? Is Jesus an activist? Is Jesus a community organizer? Kind of. Or, or like, is Jesus contemplative and encouraging prayer and doing good to one another and being the fulfillment of the law instead of instead of this like totalitarian regimented person who's without feelings? I don't think so. One thing I do know, Jesus was God in the flesh. That's what I believe. Um, and that same God lives in every believer, and he wants to communicate with you and love you on a deep, deep level. So thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you want to communicate to us on a deep, deep level. I pray for everyone who's listening. I pray you bless them until we are together again on the next episode. Thank you so much, Jesus. We love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Bless everyone who's listening. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon.